Previously on Just Cow in the City. <laughs> yes, but anything that happens in the movies that happens to me in real life is the greatest. Why, yes, I am Dave Just Cow. Would you like an autograph? It started raining again. Did you or did you not vote yes on Proposition 12? I could misread those signs. This is perfect for me. I don't have to worry because I die on stage every night. What? Cha, just got in the city. Everybody's here looking good and pretty. Been down, isn't it a pity? Trying to make things looking bright and chippy. All around, people seem crazy. Walking around trying not to be lazy. But at night, it's a different place. Making it work in your own space. Come on, come on and dance all night. I'm here each week, it'll be alright. Cause it's just out in the city. Cause it's just out in the city. Cause it's just out. Well, hello everybody and welcome to an exciting episode of Just Cow in the City with your host, me, Dave Just Cow. Lovely to see everybody this afternoon, this evening, this morning. I don't know when you listen. I am recording this on uh, in the morning on apparently what seems to be some crazy act of God where it's going to be like 90 to 100 degrees today and it's not even Memorial Day yet. So what is that all about? You have to ask yourself and uh, and anybody else that will listen. Uh, but uh, yes, uh, it's, it's comfy and cozy in the uh, Just Cow compound where we do all these recordings. And I just hope everybody's having a lovely week. So this comes out the Tuesday uh, before Memorial Day weekend. Memorial Day weekend is coming up. So usually we would always take a break from podcasting during Memorial Weekend and Labor Day weekend, and usually between Christmas and New Year's. But since I don't work or do anything, it seems ridiculous to take a break, right? So there's really just I don't you know don't I don't think I'm doing anything this Labor Day weekend. So I don't there's, there's no reason to take a break. So we will continue on with the podcast, even though I'm not like I said not doing anything. I mean you know I went out once this week. So, you know, how do you even, again, report on a podcast? I mean, that's the problem. Just get on the city. You know, many weeks I have lots of information to tell you because I go out and do certain things and that, and enjoy what New York City has to offer. And then some days, what are you going to do? Some weeks you just say uh, it's over. And I feel like it's going to, I don't know whether it's going to get worse or better if I get this job. I don't mind telling you. I'm very upset. Like yesterday, I got very depressed because I had like my second interview with this place like i like i i thought i was gonna get that last job so who knows but it's so weird i'm like i'm trying to talk them out of it when i'm on the phone when i'm on a zoom call with them I'm like it's like so what do you, why do you want to work here? i'm like why do i want to work there oh i well i mean who doesn't it's uh, it has nothing to do with working at a particular place or anything else i think it's just the hours that are getting me nervous and stressed and going to an office again and just starting this process all over again let alone, you know, this is like in the Wall Street area. So then I was thinking, like, that's where all the terrorist attacks happen, you know, during the day. I'm going to be doomed if uh, people decide to attack again. That's where they attack, down in that Wall Street area. Around the hours, I'm going to be there. Everything always happens down on Wall Street. I mean, it's happened since my Aunt Judy used to work at the RCA building in the 70s. There's always been terror attacks down in that area. That's where they want to get everybody. So that's, well, yeah, it's bothering me. I mean, why wouldn't it? I mean, uh, I don't know. And then just everything, you know, I'm like thinking that like uh, most people would be like, oh, I'm so close to getting a job. But I was like depressed about it because I don't know. I keep getting because of the hours are so crazy. I just keep thinking I'm just going to be I'm going to use lose years of my life because the times are, you know, waking up so early and then try, usually staying up so late, which most people don't do. So I don't know, but what can I do? What can I do? I got no choice. I've got to make some money to make up. And yes, we're making some money now, but we need to make more money. And of course, in January, we'll make some more money being a, a college professor. <laughs> I couldn't even get it out straight. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why it's fun. Well, come on. It's, it's funny as hell. You know, so many people are into this class. 
you know, this clueless class I'm teaching. I'm actually thinking about making it three credits because I really, I feel like it's going to be a phenomenon that people are going to love and I'm going to be able to teach anywhere. And uh, it'll be much more fun to go to work as a teacher than it will be as just an employee of a place. However, I did find out, and this is big news, this is big news, that if I do get a job at this place, this company, I believe they have a cafeteria, and I think they're giving out free breakfast and lunch. I mean, hello. Most of my salary at the old firm was spent on lunch. I mean, not even as a joke as uh, a person that eats a lot, we were in Midtown, and lunches cost at least at least twenty dollars every meal. That's every day. So free sounds really good because I just picture myself in the cafeteria with a book like uh, Christian Slater and Heather's, like, uh, and uh, somebody comes over like, "Oh, are you new here?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And, and they ask me a question like, uh, "What would you like on a deserted island?" Well, um, I guess just a bottle of tequila and some Bach. And I have to say Bach, like a Jewish person says Bach. So, uh, yeah, I suppose just a little Tolstoy and something to read would be nice. I I don't, I don't, I don't, I haven't worked in a place with a cafeteria since the day I met David Attell in 1987, where we met at my cafeteria of my job. So... Which is, you know, depressing because then it's like, well, nothing's changed in my life. David Tell performs and, you know, he became what he wanted to be, which was a huge stand-up comic. And uh, Dave Juskow's life never changes. And he's back at where he's supposed to be, I guess. I don't know. I don't want to make anybody feel bad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just, I was very depressed yesterday and this week because I might get this job. Are you fucking kidding me? Ugh. Well, it's just not, you know, the job you want at this point in your life. And I'm sure everybody feels the same. For me, this is the equivalent of working at a Trader Joe's or wherever I was planning on working. But what are you going to do? Fooled around for three years. You didn't get anything accomplished. That's what you deserve. I'm a very lazy person, even though technically I'm not that lazy because I put this out once a week. I put a Billy Joel out twice a week and then I do a live podcast. So how is that being lazy? It's just lazy and it's not lazy in some forms. And then it's. There's laziness in other forms. It's really difficult to say. I'll tell you though, when we were talking about the teaching thing, I guess we'll just I'll just tell you this. You know, so many times when I'm editing, whether it's this podcast or the Billy Joel podcast, you know, I'm always going through clips, especially with the Billy Joel. You know, we're listening to the songs that we have on this week, and I hope you liked uh, scenes from an Italian restaurant. And the part two is coming up today, and then we have our awful song, Shades of Gray. Oy. Now we like make even the smaller songs like 30, 40 minutes because we just like talking. But sometimes I'm going through and listening to the songs. And then, you know, you know how YouTube is. You can go down a complete rabbit hole with YouTube. You see on the right hand side, I'm like, well, you know, like best an hour of Letterman stupid pet tricks or whatever it is. And, you know, it's just it's just so easy to do nothing (laughs) and just sit and watch stuff. So. One caught my eye yesterday, and the funny thing is, I'm like, you know, I think I'm going to use this in my class. It's my favorite thing, Siskel and Ebert. And uh, for those of you who don't know who Siskel and Ebert is, some of our younger listeners, uh, they were two guys that used to review movies. They were very, very famous in the 80s and 90s. They used to review movies on TV, um, started on PBS, and then they got syndicated, and they were very, very popular. But but they'd always disagree, and they'd fight with each other. They worked for two rival newspapers in Chicago, and they'd always fight with each other over the movies, and that was the best part. And it really was great. And back then, you needed, you wanted reviews of movies. Now, nobody cares. I mean, online, people will tell you what their thoughts are. It's different. But they were reviewing the movie Casino, and I was curious on to how they felt about the movie because it's an interesting movie. I don't know if you... I mean, I played clips from it the other day when I was talking about Esty, the booker at the Comedy Cellar, not saying I was at this event that she's telling a story about. And that then I played that scene like, do you tell me I was at that dinner? Can you at least tell me I was at that dinner? Just tell me I at least was at that dinner. All right, you were at that dinner. All right, thanks for not calling me a liar. Um, that's from Casino. Casino is... 
some kind of a follow-up to Goodfellas, which we all know is brilliant, Martin Scorsese. And you'd say Casino is, uh, would you say it's Martin Martin Scorsese at his best? No, but it's a but it is a Martin Scorsese movie for sure, and nobody doesn't like it. I mean, if you like Scorsese, you like those kind of movies with a lot of violence and nonsense and tough talk, then you know you probably like Casino. But it is not Goodfellas, and you know it's the same a lot of the same casting as Goodfellas. I mean, it's it's the Pesci, it's Pesci and uh, De Niro, you know, hooked up again. So everybody was kind of looking forward to that, and that's why it's considered you know kind of a sequel, but it's not a, any kind of form of sequel. But it is, I believe it's written by the same guy who did Goodfellas. Uh, So anyway, I was listening to their reviews, and it's interesting because they're so different. And I thought this would be something I could play in my class. And since I enjoy listening to it, I thought maybe you would too. So I thought I would listen to their review, which I find rather riveting. Our first film is Casino, Martin Scorsese's latest mobster story about the Mafia's last days of running a major casino in Vegas. It's set in the 70s and 80s, and the film looks great, is memorably acted, and yet it breaks no new ground for Scorsese or his actors, and therefore, for all of the pyrotechnics, Casino is a bit of a letdown. At its best and most original, Casino is sort of a docudrama on the operation of a casino, as in this sequence narrated by the film's casino boss, Ace Rothstein, played by Robert De Niro. The boxmen are watching the dealers. The floormen are watching the boxmen. The pit bosses are watching the floormen. The shift bosses are watching the pit bosses. The casino manager is watching the shift bosses. I'm watching the casino manager, and the eye in the sky is watching us all. Now here is the well-acted but not very fresh part of the story, as De Niro's character has to deal with his always-in-trouble boyhood friend, an ultra-violent mob enforcer named Nicky Santoro, played by Joe Pesci. Oh, no. What's a 50,000 marker? Doctor, just give him a 10. That's it, 10. I'll be right down. It's going to come up with 10,000 just the way you want. Get 10,000. 50,000. 50,000. Go get it. The weakest storyline in Casino is the love story involving De Niro and a femme fatale, a con artist, and Hooker, played by Sharon Stone. What's the matter? What do you mean, what's the matter, man? A lot of money for you, I want my cut. What money? I've seen you spending from me. What money? Look at the stack of chips. Don't give me that. I want my I've been watching you all night. Don't give me that. And I want my money. I don't steal anything from you. Get lost, Ginger. Get lost! Yes. Get lost? Yes. Well, how about that? Every tough character has a weakness in Casino. Stone is De Niro's weakness, and she in turn has a soft spot for her pimp, a low-life hustler played by James Woods. If you ever come back again, ever, to take her money, next time bring a pistol. That way you got a chance. I love looking at Casino. Each shot is beautifully composed, and the quasi-documentary scenes are sometimes thrilling. But the characters are familiar, based on the book by Goodfellas screenwriter Nicholas Pileggi. And as I watched this movie, repeatedly I felt that director Martin Scorsese, America's best, may have come to the end of this mob milieu. He's told this story in different times and places in much more exciting ways. One note, I wish that I could show you some of the many violent scenes in Casino, but the distributor isn't releasing any of the brutal beatings. They're trying to sell this as a love story, but as a love story, Casino doesn't work. So a mixed review, but ultimately, thumbs down for me. Thumbs down? Yep. I'm astonished. Why? I, uh, I, I, I you mean, think this was fresh? Uh, I, uh, at the very least, Gene, it's thumbs up, and I think it's a lot better than that. And I'll just point out one thing. You didn't like the relationship between De Niro and Not Sharon Stone. To me, no. that was fascinating. This is a breakthrough for Scorsese, who throughout his career has always had this same kind of male-female relationship involving the guy who loves the woman up to a point and then decides that she's no good or not good enough for him. In this film, here's a guy who tries to be reasonable, who feels that he can buy and control and figure out the odds on everything. And he gets a woman who won't be controlled like that, who is a wild card, and that is why not only his life comes to pieces, but because of this relationship with this woman, the mob 
loses out in Vegas entirely. It's a fascinating think, story you, about how just the lust and love between these two people eventually led to the mob leaving Vegas altogether. I think that uh, you read the picture the wrong way. I think that exactly what happens is in, in, in a shot of a big lion, and I'll leave it like that, mm -hmm. you understand the dynamic that really pushed the mob out of Vegas. It was corporations, not uh, one man's Oh, you're story. talking about the fact that the junk bonds took over from the Teamsters Fund as a source of financing. That in itself is a fascinating other aspect of this movie. One of the things about the movie I liked is the amount of information it has, how the casinos operate, how they those, uh, enforce are, security, yeah. how they took care of that guy at the blackjack table by giving him a phony heart attack so they could get him into the back room and, the docu -drama and pound on stuff, him for the This stuff is stuff, terrific. The docudrama stuff is all of yeah. the personal stories. Did, you never felt that you had seen this stuff before? I, from the personal stuff. Pesci, you hadn't seen that stuff? with I hadn't Niro? seen it in this way. And nevertheless, even if I had... I saw it before in Goodfellas. That was a great movie. Great it was movie. your choice of the best movie of the great year. Movie. To actually tell people you don't think they should see Martin Scorsese's I, Casino yeah. is shocking to me. It is not I shocking. can think of 200 movies this year that I would tell them not to see before yeah. I would get to this well, one. This I is can. a very watchable movie. Certain sections of it are watchable. I'm really grading this as a piece of work by Scorsese, and this is not his best work. Well, as by somebody else, how would you grade it? Would it be thumbs up if it was from some other director? Uh, I don't think so, Roger. I think I would have said that this is an uneven piece. See, I like that. I like because they both have really interesting points of view in the sense that the, the Siskel is right because it there's nothing new in in the movie that you've seen from Scorsese before. There is nothing new. We've seen the characters before. But then the, Ebert has the point because he's like, no, this is fun, it's good, it's this. But, and they both fall short in the fact that what they're not understanding is that there's just people like us or me, and I know there's a bunch of people like me, like uh, you know my friend Joe or, or, or people that uh, work my, uh, outside Steve who just like these kind of movies by Scorsese. Yes, there's nothing new. Uh, you know, We just want more Goodfellas, and he gave it to us. So in that sense, you know, who cares? And that is how you judge movies. It's like you can judge it all sorts of different ways. And the way Siskel even says, like, you're, you're reading the picture the wrong way. You can't say that to anybody. Some people just read it that way. Uh, he's, Siskel's looking at it as a docudrama, which is awesome when you think of it that way. It really is. I never even thought about that as the running of a casino makes it interesting and how it all falls apart and they have that ending where it says how Vegas isn't Vegas anymore. And even uh, De Niro at the end says, we fuck in the end, we fucked it all up. And you could just look at a movie several different ways. And I thought that was uh, that's good structure for a class. I guess maybe I'm thinking in more of those terms. But then again, my entire existence has been thinking along those terms as I brought things to you like this for years uh, talking about movies or TV shows or the way we find certain gems and things we do watch. So it would make sense to move on. And, and in that sense, if you look at it that way, then my entire, if this uh, indeed, there's so much time left, uh, does come to fruition and I do end up teaching this class, well, then maybe my life isn't the same. Maybe it has gone to the place where it's supposed to be. Maybe uh, I was always supposed to be a teacher since that's what I went to school for anyway. In the 80s, that was always the plan. I always wanted to be a teacher. I don't even know why. It just seemed like a good... I think mostly because I didn't want to be like the teachers I had that were such bags of shit. And that does not go for all of them. I mean, that does not go for all of them in any form. But there were so many mean people to me. After seeing Sarah's play, I'm like... Uh, you know, they have, she has a mean teacher that doesn't care for her. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> if we do a biography of my life, you'll see some shit. I used to get smacked around. I used to get hit by teachers. I don't think that they're not allowed to do that anymore from what I've understood. And it's not, I don't even blame the teachers. I'm annoying. I understand that people want to hit me a lot. And it's not just teachers. It's everybody. Girls always want to hit me all the time, and they have. They punch me. They slap me. They they pull uh, everything that happened to Chris Rock at the Oscars. <laughs> I've gotten slapped in the face so many times, but uh, I'm annoying. 
you know? And I don't even think it comes from, you know, cheating or anything like that. It's just from being annoyed. I annoy the shit out of people. That's, that's what I do. It's my superpower. And it is very effective. So uh, that all being said, uh, welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, we started off in an interesting way, which doesn't really matter either way. Oh, I don't know what I'm doing. First of all, it's so funny. I'm I'm kind of start the the ninety degrees is starting to creep up. I'm taping this in the morning, right? So it's only sixty, but now I can feel like it's a little because the sun's coming directly into my face. Sun's coming directly into my face, right? And the weird part is, yesterday I wasn't doing anything. I'm not doing anything at night, and I'm like, well, you know what? Maybe I'll just watch the Mets game. It snowed out. Yeah, know you heard me right. As it is 90 to 100 degrees here today, the Mets are on the road in Colorado. The game was snowed out yesterday. Snowed out. How is that even possible? So, <laughs> I mean, that's just weird. We understand rainouts. The Yankees, I believe, were rained out. But snowed out? That's why Colorado didn't have a team for a long time. People were very worried. Oh, no, what if they go to the World Series, which I believe they did once. Oh, no, how are they going to play in that weather? In fact, didn't they didn't they do that in Minnesota? Don't they have an open ballpark now instead of a, an indoor dome? Oh, can you imagine going to a Minnesota World Series in in, no, in late October, early November? What a nightmare! It's cold enough here in New York City. Who would want to go to Denver or Minnesota to see a World Series game? That's a goddamn nightmare. That's why you got to appreciate Tampa Bay always being in the World Series or or the Los Angeles Dodgers. That seems like a fun game to go to. You either get indoor or you got uh, nice weather. So it's like, I didn't do that much this week, but I did that this much this week, but I did it all at my house. So I took like this test for my job. It was like doing these old skills that I used to have on the computer, but now I haven't done it in three years. And doing it on my computer, it's like I have like a hacked version of Microsoft Word. So, and I was, I did it. I put myself in a hole again. And they're like, you have an hour and a half to complete the uh, test. And I'm like, oh, if I need an hour and a half, sweetie, I mean, don't even think about hiring me. And then and they're like, well, you get an hour more if you tell us at an hour and a half mark that you need an hour more. And so uh, at the hour and a half mark, I'm like, I'm going to need an hour more. Um, I hate myself. And they're like, well, that's what the hour is for. So you don't hate yourself. And I really did put that in because I was so embarrassed. But uh, I mean, I my the reasons that it was bad and I had valid reasons, which is why I think they appreciate that is because the, the only reason that this was difficulty is because of COVID. And the test is antiquated in that sense that it, it's not a, a conducive test to the skills set that you would use at this particular job because they have other tools there that I know how to use uh, that are third-party software things that, of course, I don't have at home, and why would anybody have at home? Uh, these are these things that I know of, and I know they have there because they told me they have it, and I'm like, well, look, I would have finished that test in under an hour if you had those things, she goes, yeah, I know. I'm like, because before COVID, I would have been taking this test at your offices, right? And they're like, right. And I'm like, so I think I should get a pass. I think you should give it to me. Now I'm doing my cousin Vinny again. I think I should get a second chance, and I think you should give it to me. I also watched, uh, actually, now that I think about it, the Cisco Niebuhr thing on My Cousin Vinny, which they both enjoyed very much, because who wouldn't? Because it's brilliant. No sleep till... <laughs> But so then on Tuesday, you know, we did the live show, but then Alan and I had a show out in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Now, Bushwick, Brooklyn is disgusting. Bushwick, Brooklyn is one of those places where everybody's like, it's up and coming, it's up and coming, but it's not. I mean, it's like what they used to say about Harlem. It's up and coming, it up to up and coming. And I'm still not sure if it is or was. Like, you know, some there's just some places. Like, I can remember when Catch a Rising Star was rebuilt over on 28th and 8th, Rick Newman would always say this area's up and coming, up and coming, but it's not. The only thing that people told me was up and coming, and it has nothing to do with New York City, was Long Branch, New Jersey, which is a place I was thinking about living. And that seriously, somebody said, to, well, I think it was uh, Dave Elliott who said to me, it's up and coming, but he wasn't kidding. And he put his money where his mouth is. 
And it really did up and come and be awesome. And it's really terrific. But every spot, I'm trying to think of places where people said it was up and coming. And it hasn't been. And Bushwick is that perfect example of kids moving there in their 20s, especially women who really, if I was a father, I'd be terrified if my daughter was living there. And then I'd probably uh, pay half her rent so she could live somewhere safer, as most of the women I know who are in their 20s have their parents doing. Now, I know that sounds very rude and nasty, and I know it happens for a lot of the boys, too. But I've just noticed a lot of the girls I know, I'm always like, well, how can they live here? And they're like, well, my dad pays half my rent. So I would, but I get that, especially being old. Well, quite frankly, I think I got it when I was younger, too. I didn't like where Sarah Silverman was living. She used to live on the Lower East Side, but that woman had balls her entire goddamn life. She used to live be, um, between 8th and 9th Street on 2nd Avenue. I'm like, dude, are you sure you want to live here in this creepy apartment? But she loved it there. She was so happy that she still likes hanging out in that area. It's weird. And I was like, are you sure your parents are okay with this? Like, I, I, And I was only like 27, 28, and I was acting like, uh, you know, a, a dad, somebody's dad already. I just couldn't understand. I guess I, it's not like we grew up in a mansion or anything, but I mean, I just like being in nice places. I don't want to be in trouble. That's why I think I hated Astoria all those years. And people can always say, oh, Astoria is different. It's just up and coming. It's up and coming. But it's still a poverty-ridden town, a, a poverty-ridden town. You know what I mean? When you're there, you can have all these things, but it's still not Manhattan. It's And I'm, I'm am I being a snob? Yeah, probably. But I'm just saying, like, I don't, if I'm if I'm a kid and I'm starting out, I deserve to live in Astoria. But you you hope to get to a place in your existence in your life where you can move to a better place. That's that's the American dream, and I did, I guess, uh, you know, until this point, uh, everything was going okay. Where you know you move to a different place where you want to live or something, or at least the best you can do and get out of where you. Uh, were which was Astoria for me which was a crappy crappy town and I still believe with all my heart it's still a crappy crappy town and it's disgusting out there and there'd be no way in my life I would prefer to move to Astoria Queens than I'd rather live in New Jersey an hour away uh, than live in that shithole which it is and you can sit here and if you're listening from Astoria like oh it's not like that anymore it doesn't matter what it's like. It's not. It's still gross. It's still like just what's the, I mean, you want to live. If you're living in a city, why live there? You know, when I see my friends live in Jackson Heights, I'm like, this is such a dump. It's unbelievable, you know, and Bushwick's even worse. I mean, it's like just scary and gross. There's like no buildings whatsoever. I took pictures of all of it as I came out of the subway I was I was taking pictures as if I live truly in Beverly Hills, and I'm like I, I was like Marissa Tomei in my cousin Vinny with my little pink camera taking pictures, or or as I said on stage that night, like Aquafina and Crazy Rich Asians when she's in that house taking selfies of herself, because I was like, oh look at the little oh look it's a jury and with people and stuff like that. That's from Legally Blonde. I'm doing all the movie references for some reason. Oh, look, it's a real jury with people and everything. Vote for L. But I, I, I was just like, really, this place is gross. If I lived here, I'd be so depressed. I mean, there's plenty of people that live there that are fun and cool, and you can have a good time in your life. But it's got to be mostly miserable because it's like, why would anyone want to live here? I mean, you, you, you have to work. I don't think anybody works there. They think they all have to commute. So why would you want your commuting time to be... I? I work in a really nice place and a nice neighborhood. And then I have to go home to this dump. That's the way I look at it. I mean, maybe it's a snobby view, but I, I couldn't care less. It, it is, it is a snobby view, but, um, and to, the, the nerve of me complaining about restaurants that are crummy stoppatoriums, but I guess I like the in between, you know, I'm a, I'm an Applebee's Jersey kind of guy. And, uh, Bushwick does not work for me in any way. It's so disgusting. And then, so I went into this bar that we, Alana and I were performing in, and I was very excited about doing it, too. And I took a picture of the bathroom, too. It's 
<laughs> repulsive. Like, no, it's not repulsive. It's just, you know, it just looks like a club uh, bathroom. But I was just making fun and taking pictures because it was fun. But the stage was really good. And the guys that run the show are really great. And they're so young. They're like, yeah, this is a great show. We get these people in. And they had lots of, you know, young, hot girls in and stuff. And and then they give out shots, like free shots. That's part of the show. They ask if anybody wants shots. And like they only, he went to the bar and ordered five. There were like 20 people there. And I'm like, what the hell, is, what is happening? The younger generation, I just don't understand. And and then they give out Adderall at the end of the night. And I'm like, what, I have missed something. I don't, I don't understand what the hell is happening these days. I don't know what, talk about feeling like an old man and in the sense of just like, okay, so nobody wants shots. And and I don't know who took the Adderall. I was already at the bar by that time, but just I mean, that's a strange show that I wasn't prepared for. But we still had a really nice time. It was fun. the The people weren't very responsive. It was a strange show, but I didn't think it was going to be any other way. And I really didn't care. And Alana and I had a good time, just hanging out at the bar, having a couple of drinks, hanging out with the people after. I remember, yeah, we met a couple of. I met this one girl who I first saw because she was hanging out by herself. I'm like, you're a comic, aren't you? And then she's like, yes, let me follow you on Instagram. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. We're just uh, we're having a conversation. Where we uh, start? You know, it was one of those. Uh, and then she got on stage and oh, she was so annoying. It was just, I, 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 you know, she's talking about sex, but it's like gross. And um, I just blame Sarah Silverman for all of these women getting on stage and uh, talking about sex. Uh, I just feel like it's all Sarah's fault. I don't know. I mean, I know everybody did, but um, this is all Sarah's fault. It's funny watching these young girls go up because they are all taking, you know, definite lessons from Sarah Silverman, whether they know it or not. And it's just funny knowing the originator of the the person that changed females in comedy forever and uh, said, screw this double standard. I'm going to do what I want. It's ju- it's just mostly a fact. And men are like this too, that a lot of the people, in fact, somebody told me that one of the boys got up. I don't remember who it was. So one of the boys got up and started talking about being a pedophile because he thinks he's Louis C.K., and he can just go up and be like, well, it's okay. My hero talks about this. So, you know, a lot of these women or, or men, whatever, these young comics, they think they can just go up and do what their heroes do, and they're not ready. And then they just look stupid. But that's being young, and they can figure that out in the end, And or, you know, if they do make it, if they are funny. But most of the, most of the women, I'm just saying in particular, because three of the men were pretty good, like even if they weren't funny, they they seemed like they could make it. But the women I saw, I saw three women, and they were awful. I'm not. Listen, I'm the the king of the supporting women in comedy. That those are all my friends. So it's certainly not a sexist term. I think I can just tell you when somebody's good or bad, and and that's where it comes down to, right? I mean, that's that's it. I was talking to. Was I talking to Olga, actually, I think? I think I was finally talking to Olga again. I was telling her how Lewis, this guy Lewis, who now runs Caroline's, used to be a Catch Rising Star for years in the 80s when I was you know, trying to get on there. And he would always just say, we'll see what the audience says, Dave. We'll see what the audience says. That seems like the the way to let somebody know whether they're, they come back or not. We'll see what the audience says. Makes sense. And then, you know, it's, you know, I had to take, uh, you know, it was weird going out after the Tuesday show. I'm used to just staying in and having dinner. And that's the night. So going out and taking subways and transferring subways. I don't think I've transferred subways. I've been on a one stop. Um, yeah, I haven't done any transferring in three years. That's from one subway to the other. Well, I figured you figured that out. So, yeah, I had to take the uh, five, the four, five down to the L <laughs> and then on the way back I rode with Alon and I just got off at the first Avenue stop and then I transferred to the bus because <laughs> it goes right to my house so it was pretty easy I probably would have walked but it was cold again 
It's just so weird. This is I'm talking about Tuesday, and or maybe I just wanted to go home because I had a big day Wednesday. But I'm talking about Tuesday, and I said I was cold again, and today it's 90. And is that global warming? I don't think this is a global warming thing. I think this happens sometimes. Sometimes there are big, humid, hot days that come in the middle of nowhere, and then next week it goes back down to where it's supposed to be in the middle of May. Got any blue oyster cult? No, I don't have any blue oyster cult. I ate 34 pairs last time around. Where were you? It was that close to working at 7-Eleven, you know. Well, when are those Earth, Wind, and Fire tickets coming in? Earth, Wind, and Fire? Jeez, uh, I haven't heard anything, but the, mi- the minute I do, I'll let you know. So, you know, I'm planning on taking my little brother with Is that your little brother? <laughs> He's a good-looking kid. Uh, great. Charles Jefferson for Earth, Wind, and Fire and a little brother. And I'll let you know when they come around, okay? Wow, does he really live here? I thought he just flew in for games. Shit, he knows where to come when he wants some tickets. All right, now go on, get out of here. Hey, you're messing up my business. Come on, Brad. Let's go get you a woman. So on Wednesday was the big day in the sense of, which you, I don't know whether you knew, but the TBS show that I am appearing on, I recorded all my voices. So it's like over already. It's done. Not only did I get the job, it's done. It's not like it's happening soon. I did it. And I was able to record them all here because thanks to COVID, <laughs> thanks to COVID, I could record from my house. And I, I guess I have pretty good recording equipment and hopefully they're okay with it. I mean, I haven't heard anything to the contrary yet, but we were doing it at uh, 3.30 and I was like, oh, because I drank the night before and I'm like, I wonder if that'll fuck up my voice, but I couldn't not drink and I figured if I had till 3.30, I was okay. If I had to do it at like noon, I might not have. Because, you know, my, you can always hear my voice is all fakakta. I printed, so there were like 10 scripts. And I printed them all out because I'm an old man. And I'm like, I got to print them out. But I was also trying to conserve paper because I'd have to fill out all these forms for not just the TBS show, but also for uh the magazine i'm writing for so lately i've had to fill out these forms you know sign stuff and i've had to print it out and then scan it and then send it back so i've been wasting all this paper which i've been pretty i've been using this same ream of paper that has 500 sheets for two years but for some reason oh that's right and i had to take when i took that test i wanted it on regular paper i thought it would be easier for me and it was like 11 pages so all of a sudden i used like 50 pages and i ran out of paper and for some reason, I thought it's better if I have it on paper than looking at my screen. But that was so. Um, but I'm putting stuff on the back, and it's all a mess. And if I do this in front of them, let alone have the crinkling of the paper, the, I'm just gonna look like a dick, and I'm gonna maybe I won't be on the mic because I'll be looking at the paper. So this is, and everybody else would just use their machine, and that's I'm sure that's what they expected. And I'm like, no, no, because they'll know I'm looking at my machine. I'm like, what am I talking about? So I printed out all the pages, and I made some highlights. And then I go, what What am I doing? I mean, I finally figured it out. I'm like, this is insane. I can't keep all of these straight. I'll be looking. I'll just be looking like a moron. And I don't think they care. Of course they don't care. What's the matter with me? So, yeah, I just pulled all the stuff and I split the screen and uh, they, you know, who knows whether they, they, they knew exactly where I was doing it from and nobody cared. I don't know why I can't do it like that normally. I still print out when we do Billy Joel or the Tuesday show, I still print stuff out on paper, I guess, because I don't want to click. I'm I have no idea why. Maybe I need a bigger monitor or I need two monitors. That would be helpful. I should probably get a second monitor. Maybe when I get this job. I'll get a second monitor. Hmm. That's not a bad idea. I'm going to need a bigger place because I'm going to need like three computers. You know, I'm going to need my work one. And then I'm going to need my other one. Oh, but I'm so worried because, again, it's the weekends, eight to four. Like right now when I'm doing this, I wouldn't be able to record the podcast because I'll be at work. And I hope I can take an hour off to record like the Billy Joel stuff, too. 
And then I, I don't know what's going to happen with Marina's show at 3, since I have to work until 4. I guess I can go on, and if work comes... I, I have no idea. I'm so confused and conflicted, but I know I have to take this job if I even get it. I talked to the HR people yesterday. We all know how that usually goes for me. So who knows and that's the you know as soon as she came on i'm like wow you are unbelievably attractive i'm kidding that did not happen um i know that happened at the last job which is why i'm sure i mean the last interview i had but um i didn't say it with my voice (laughs) she just clearly felt it coming off of me so anyway here's the big news and um if you don't like this there's something wrong with you now uh, I'm trying to, right, so as you know, we're trying to, you know, maybe have these guys on. I just haven't had guests on for a while, and it's funny because years ago, I would have definitely put the guy on from uh, Fast Times who we want to have on or whatever. We still haven't gotten a test with Mike Damone, whatever, but I just haven't had guests on, and I know you guys like it better this way. Anyway, I play two characters in this uh, TBS show. One is just myself and a dog writer, and the other one's a rabbit. So the, And so I'm like, well, how do you want me to do this rabbit? And they're like, just the way you did it in the audition. And I said, well, I didn't audition for it. I would, you know, you told me I was getting another part, but I, I didn't audition for the rabbit. And they're like, oh. So I said, well, I have some ideas. Well, I don't mind telling you. And I really can't imagine anyone would care if I tell you. I, I mean, if this show is secretive, then, uh, then we all have a lot of problems. Uh, if we have to keep stupid pet tricks under wraps, I'm not giving away the season finale, am I? Uh, and the winner is, I don't even think there's a winner. I think you just come up and do it. Anyway, so the part of the rabbit will be played by Mike Damone from Fast Times, the uh, the voice I've been trying to uh, tell the people at uh, Family Guy or uh, telling uh Tom Papa, I think we should do it this way. <laughs> Finally, they liked it. They're like, well, this guy's kind of an asshole. He's like really in your face. And I'm like, I think I have the appropriate voice for you. Hey, listen, we all got to get gluten free. Am I right? It's the most important thing. Hey, I don't mind telling you breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Otherwise, you're just going to come out getting pellets. Huh? I mean, that is going to be the voice. Finally. I get to do my Mike Damone professionally. Now, I now if, if if the Mike Damone that the actual guy who played him comes on the show, is he going to be upset or will he be flattered? Hard to say. Because every voiceover job I used to get back in the nineties, I'm like, you know, you could probably just get the guy that played Mike Damone, and they're like, that's a great idea. And then they called him, and I lost out on the work, so I didn't say that this time. Probably shouldn't have said. Damn it! Maybe I should cut this out of the podcast. Hey, listen. You know, it is what it is, right? I mean, this guy's either going to get... and the, But but it'll be great because he'll probably not even know how to do it anymore. And they'll be like, well, actually, the guy that does the imitation of you is a little better than uh, what you're doing. Hey, how can that be? Well, whatever. Hey, do I get any free iced tea or anything? I mean, what do I get out of this? So that's uh, pretty exciting news. If you are a uh, just guy in the city and mostly a Nightfly listener, I mean, we, we know how we worship Mike Damone. And of course, as you may or may not know, Mike Damone is from the movie Fast Times at Ridgemont High, also directed by the director of Clueless. So Fast Times is going to be a big uh, story point as well for my class on Clueless. Class on Clueless. Class on Clueless. Class on Clueless. See if I can say that correctly. Quiero Taco Bell. So exciting stuff. Now, the big exciting news that everybody's talking about and everybody's been sending me stuff, and so they should because I've been talking about it nonstop, is, of course, the return of the Mexican pizza from Taco Bell. Uh, we, uh, <laughs> I had been waiting for it. My nephew and I had been waiting for it. We couldn't wait for it. We got so excited because Thursday was the big day, and uh, we uh, 
went to my mom's and my sister bought Billy and we got so we hugged and we're like jumping up and down because we couldn't believe it was Mexican Taco Bell Mexican pizza day, the return of the Mexican pizza. So even though I had the signature burger again at my mother's and some soup and some chips, I was still ready to eat the uh, Mexican pizza at Taco Bell. I knew I was going to do it, but maybe I wasn't because I'm pretty sure it did something to not not disgusting. Just it. I think so. Well, two things. Okay, three things. So we went to my mom's, right? And um, we ate. Then I have been stopping at this, you know, Orchard's place, you know, where they, you know, where I got that apple cider I told you about, and uh, where they pick their own fruit and strawberries and apples and pumpkins. And, you know, it's a farm. And every time I get this apple cider and it's goddamn delicious and I leave it in the refrigerator, and it makes me really happy because even though I've been drinking the water with the flavor enhancer, the apple cider sometimes is just perfectly delicious just for a couple of sips that I need, like maybe uh, when I wake up in the middle of the night or something, you know? So I went in there to get a new bottle and uh, they don't have it. And I think I'm doing Mike Damone again because I can't help myself. And I go, I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Where's the goddamn apple cider? They're like, oh, we're, we're out of it. You know, it's over. And I'm like, what do you mean it's over? It's like, well, it's, we, we're finished with the apples. It's not in season. And I'm like, excuse me? I mean, I, I, I was so confused because I'm like, well, well, you know, why can't you? I, I, I don't know. I was just so. And then, but because at the bottom line, you're like, well, maybe that's good because that's why it was so good. It was so fresh. They really do take the apples from their farms and squeeze it, and then it was over. And I got to wait until the fall, until it's apple season again, to get it. So I guess I was happy that it's so fresh, but sad that I have to wait for it because that was my favorite thing to do, go to my mom's and then stop by for a little jug of apple cider and put it in my bag and bring it home. But it's no more. And Beth and uh, Billy came in with me too. Because they wanted to see the apple cider donuts. My sister even said, are you sure they have the apple cider donuts this time of year? And I'm like, yeah. Because I just assumed they weren't actually apple cider. I just assumed that's like a Dunkin' Donuts crap. Where they just put flavor packet on it or whatever. I mean, seriously, I, I don't know. I think they had it. But maybe they run out of anything apple cider until the fall. Which I guess makes a lot of sense. And now my sister bought fresh strawberries. And I'm like, because it's strawberry season. She goes, well, you know, you can pick them yourself. I'm like, no, nah, I trust you guys to pick. So I wanted to get some, but then I'm like, what am I going to eat fresh straw? What am I going to put that in my knapsack? and burn? Well, I guess I could have done that. I don't know. You know, that's the thing. You go to a place like that. I bought a couple plums the other day, and I did eat those. But you have to be like, am I definitely going to eat these? Am I definitely going to eat these? And what day am I going to eat these? But sometimes some nice fresh strawberries are terrific. So maybe I'll get that next time. Doesn't that sound good? Oh, this store is so terrific. It's nice and clean, and they have all this stuff, and they have apple cider everything, you know, apple cider jelly, apple cider jalapeno mustard, apple cider this, apple cider that. It's kind of funny. At this, you know, just take away everything apple cider related until the fall, obviously. But I was pretty upset by that that I didn't have. But, but then, so what I bought was, because I took a picture of it last time for Alon, I bought birch beer because I wanted to try birch beer because we were talking about root beer rag and Billy Joel when we were talking about root beer and birch beer. And so I bought a root beer from their farms, soda, and a birch beer. And I think I'm going to do a taste test on Tuesday, on the Tuesday show. I was going to do it on this show, and I'm like, well, shouldn't I do a live one? But then I was like, well, wait, shouldn't Mike be doing it too? But I didn't bring enough bottles, and if we're going to do it live because I'm not sure what's happening on Tuesday, if we're going to do it live from the cellar or not. Then I need four bottles because, you know, I'd like him to do the taste test too. It'd be good to do it with somebody else. So I think I got to wait on it. It's not that those ones keep. If I go to my mom's this weekend, I'll get another one and then I'll just wait until it's live. Or Alana and I could do it on the bill. But it seems you want to do it in like on a video, right? Well, I guess it doesn't matter, but it's it's much more entertaining, I think. So I don't know. Or I might just do it at my house. Why anybody would care, I don't know. But then, you know, why does anybody care when, uh, you know, I, I was just assuming nobody cares. I'm doing a Mike Damone imitation on television. So I'm just, uh, 
hoping that everybody's just on board with whatever it is I do, huh? <laughs> a taste test. I don't know whether it would be good or bad. I don't know what birch, what's the difference between birch beer and root beer? <laughs> this sounds like that joke I always tell about how to make the chocolate egg cream, which I think we talked about last week, or I talked about it with somebody. And how I was always made, who did I just say that to? Was it last week on this show? No, I don't think it was. Now I was talking about, I was on this live show. We were talking about how to make the perfect egg cream. And now I just used it on my thing because it was like, now first you put in the chocolate and then the what? First the seltzer and what? I don't know. Maybe I didn't tell you. And maybe I'll tell you next time because I can't remember if I did. Who the hell did I just have that conversation with? It was hilarious. And now it's going to kill me. It doesn't matter. Anyway, I came home. I was so nervous that the Taco Bell by me because it's in Manhattan and everything's different here that they weren't going to have the Mexican pizza. It was very uptight, even though everybody knows Thursday is Taco Bell Day. And I, fig- and I got home early, like around 5.30, 6 o'clock, so I wasn't ready to eat yet, but I figured I can keep it until I get it. I just put it in the microwave, which you can totally do with the Mexican pizza, but not so much the tacos. I got two Mexican pizzas because it had been away. It's like when I get the McRib sandwich. I would normally get one, but that I would get Mick one. I'd get one, but I have to get two because I haven't had it in a long time. So, But one Mexican pizza clearly is fine. Uh, but I got two because it was necessary. And I had it, and it was delicious. I mean, it was really delicious. And I watched them make it, and I took a picture, kind you know, really quick because I didn't want to bother. I mean, nobody wants – you don't want to sit there taking pictures of them making it because, you know, they're working at Taco Bell. That's the last thing they want are people watching them make it. you got to figure. So I just took it really quick. You know me. I'm afraid to take any pictures. People are going to be upset for some reason. I don't know why. I feel like for me, they're going to think like I'm with the uh, the, uh, the 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 health inspector or something. You know, when it comes to me, if it's a 20 year old girl, we know why she's doing it. And I always feel like with everything I do, they think I'm a cop or something. So I think that's what makes me nervous in my head, how the ridiculousness of what I could give two shits or anybody could give two shits of me taking a picture of them making the goddamn Mexican pizza at a Taco Bell. I ate it. Uh, I waited an an hour or two, and then I I microwaved it in the box, and I ate it, and it was delicious. And then I think I ate two tacos, and then I ate the second one, and then I might have eaten two more tacos. Oh, my God. It was a... And then, I don't know whether they had codeine in them or (laughs) MSG, but um, then I couldn't get up. I mean, I'm not talking about just from being fat or overweight and, and eating too much. I'm talking about like they were making me sleep. Like, not you know, not only did I fall asleep in front of the TV, which I don't normally do. Maybe I do, but just for like five minutes. This time I fell asleep for like an hour. And then when I got up, I still couldn't keep my eyes open, which is rare. And then I just went to bed. I think, what did I go to bed? Like 10 10 o'clock, I think. Yeah, right. Yeah, I went to bed at like 10.30. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go to bed because I'm that tired. And then I slept until, I don't know, one or two. Like, I was that tired. Well, I'm telling you, it had something. Then I woke up for a little bit. Then I went back to bed at like six or something. And then I had then I had trouble being awake the entire day. And that, that was yesterday. It was Friday. And I was just, I mean, I, I maybe some of it was depression, but I'm not sure. I still say it was the Mexican pizza. And it just like, I, I just couldn't get up. I, I had to sleep until like one o'clock in the afternoon. I was so sleepy. And, and also it was a crappy day out. So maybe that helped too. But I feel like there was definitely something in that pizza that <laughs> caused me to just like be in a coma of some sort. And I, I'm still full from it, but it was good. And I'm excited that it's back, as is everybody else. And um, let me just say, you're welcome, as obviously me and what's her name, Doja, uh, put it out there that it needed to come back. And uh, between me and her, uh, we put it together. And my nephew, we put out a social media campaign that said, bring back Mexican pizza. It's very important. Very. These are the important things I work on other than working on the articles that could make me money or voiceover work, I prefer to work on stuff that, you know, helps out others financially, uh, not me. This is what I do. Oh, 
Harry Styles has a new album out and he's really talented and he's really good. And he, the way he dresses now, it's bothering me. You know, he dresses in like a unitard because I know he's going for that, what do you call it? Not the trans, but you know, the unisex kind of feel about it. But I, I, I just, I don't like what he's wearing because he's handsome and he's wearing this thing, which I don't, I don't like when people wear uh, like a tank top i think it's gross i mean it should only be on women and men shouldn't wear it whether they have unless you really look like vin diesel so he kind of looks gross in it but um i mean even though he's very handsome but i like that i think he's a little channel channeling a little david bowie and i do like that and i know from just listening to him on howard stern that he definitely has respect for the people that have come before him. But he has this brand new song that's really terrific from his new album. I think it's called, is it called Daylight or Daybreak? It's called Daylight, and um, I can't can't stop uh, thinking about it. I heard him play it on Howard Stern, and it's really good. songs that just uh, totally stuck with me after i heard it the first time which is usually very rare you know when that happens you usually just you hear it and then it goes away but this one didn't i was singing it all day or you know, humming it in my head i i like it i like kind of the smooth style of it he's an interesting dude he's dating olivia wilde now so he is a really interesting who who's, must be like 20 years older than him or 15 you gotta love that she's still really pretty though that's an interesting couple. He seems like a really uh, regular guy. I think when you're from a boy band, like Justin Timberlake, I guess, come out in uh, one of those boy bands and you turn out okay. Because then you know all the other guys from that are going to be uh, like Lance Bass. <laughs> Just be like, hello, Frisco. No, but they'll. Uh, who knows what's going to become of them. Meanwhile, I thought of something to do. If I ever get a TikTok account, and a really funny way to promote the podcast. And I just got to do it. I just got to do it. And it's simple. I just got to go out and, you know, be with people. And it's really simple. This is how I'd promote the podcast. It's hilarious. I would do the bit from Say Anything. Just get the jacket. Get one of those boom boxes. What are those? Cost $5 on eBay now. And go to this girl's house who has a balcony. And put up the boom box just like in Say Anything. But it is playing not the Peter Gabriel song. It is playing Just Cow in the City podcast. Tell me that's not hilarious. And it's just me ranting just like this. And I'm screaming about it. I'm holding it up. I'm like, come on, take me back. <laughs> Woo, Just Cow in the City. <laughs> is that, that's funny, right? I think it's funny. It's a good way to promote the podcast. And put it on TikTok. I think people would like it. I think. I don't know. I shouldn't be on TikTok. I shouldn't even have to go on TikTok. Oh, have you heard any good news today, today? I want to hear what you have to say. Wait till I get to the count of three. And tell me all the good news you have for me. There were a couple of news items that were on last week, and I just didn't get to them. And I was like, nah, this is last week's news. But yet, I still want to talk about it just very quickly. 
You know, there was this horrible woman named Urgerurin, or whatever the fuck her name is, who was an attorney, and she threw a Molotov cocktail at a police vehicle, and it always pissed me off. And the good news is, is she's getting two years uh, behind bars, thank goodness. So that couldn't have made me happier, thank God. Uh, being an attorney, I really wasn't sure if uh, she was going to get away with it somehow. But yeah, I mean, you you got to go to, you throw something like that at a cop car and or cops that are in their car, you, you got to go, to, it doesn't matter who you are, you got to go to jail. That's the way it works. Federal prosecutors had sought a 10-year sentence under a terrorism enhancement after both defendants copped to one count of possessing and making a destructive advice device. But, you know, you figure, that's all right. I don't think she'll do it again, one would hope. So two years should be good, and it's definitely well-deserved. Then there was another article. There's this stupid family in Kentucky that uh, came under fire for allowing their six-year-old son to run a marathon in Cincinnati and revealed that they were visited by Child Protective Services. And there's a, uh, there's a picture of their entire family uh, in this thing. And it doesn't matter to me that they have their six-year-old running in a marathon. I mean, I, I'm not exactly sure what the big... I mean, unless they're forcing the kid, and I, I, I don't know what the deal is. I mean, uh, maybe they should, because if he can't stop, then who's he going to go home with? I mean, somebody should be on the route where they're going to take him home. So there's something about that. What I'm mad about is that they have six kids. And that's really fucking annoying. Nobody should have six kids anymore. This is why abortion is important. Nobody should be having six kids when we're running out of baby formula and the the world is, is falling apart and there's just so many people. And when you think about baby formula and you see it all coming in the shelves and all the stuff that we need as humans to survive and all the stuff we waste and go through... No one should be having six kids unless there are twins involved and there's nothing you can do about that. No one should have six kids anymore. And that's what's disturbing about all of it, because it seems to me, I bet you they end up having another one. And if this is some sort of Catholic thing where you're not allowed to use birth control, I mean, what a disaster. That's just that's just like the worst thing you can do. I mean, maybe you can make a case for four kids and that and that's too much, I think. But six kids is insane. And, and it's not like they, they're rich, you know? I mean, I guess if you can afford it, but they're, they're not. And uh, if, if you can afford it, then I guess, you know, you have as many kids as you want because you're not, uh, you know, you can handle it. But if, you're, if you can't, and I don't know, but you're just doing it because the Catholic Church says you have to. I mean, what, what this Catholic Church, this has got to go. I don't know why that bothered me so much. It's just... Uh, when you have that many kids, it's frustrating, right? Or am I am I wrong on this? I, I don't think I am. It's been this day and age, we got to have less. There's an overpopulation and everything's going crazy and our resources are dwindling. Nobody doesn't want you to have kids. Just, you know, be smarter. Let alone, you know, it's, and now if you can't get an abortion, it's just going to get worse. When are they looking at that? What about that part? I mean, we all know. We all know. I mean, anybody that's a, against the right to choose, I don't think, listens to this podcast. So I don't have to bother saying if you're, you know, got a problem with Roe versus Wade, you're an idiot. All right. Hey, ho. And that's that. And that's the name of that tune. There was also this thing on uh, Madonna the, by the, our, our friend Johnny Oleski. Oleskinski. Oleskinski. I can never pronounce his name, and I really want him to be on the show. And I get the feeling he's reviewing Sarah's play on Monday, although I think she said they pushed the reviewers back because um, the mother in the play has COVID. So I think they're waiting, but I don't know whether that's a thing and they can even do that. But Madonna put out an, a new NFT project, is like a digital animated material girl that gives birth to butterflies outside of vagina. And it's just so funny because, you know, Johnny's saying it's like, it's, it's just, it's not edgy. It's just desperate. And it really does feel that way that Madonna who invented this kind of stuff. It's true. It, it is a little desperation. And at this point she should be playing uh, kind of the matriarch of uh, just these kind of women and, 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 you know, age a little gracefully instead of being all this sex stuff and everything. Because you proved your point and you are the shit and you made a 
uh, a person that can dance and sing a little, as they say on Fred Astaire's uh, dance card, into a, a major, unbelievable... What do you call that when somebody is just the end all of the end all and she really made herself into a brand and she was the shit. I mean, Madonna, Madonna, she was amazing. Everything she did was cool. Is it is it really necessary to continue to do that? I don't know. I agree with, and, and he's a millennial saying this, so it does seem foolish, let alone that ridiculous British accent she has. Just, hey. And finally, the new mayor is insisting that Gracie Mansion, where he lives, is haunted. And um, I, I don't have any problems with the new mayor, but um, is it necessary you know, to tell people that the, the house is haunted? Is this what you want to put out as a mayor? <laughs> Your house is haunted. Of course it's haunted. It's like the, the, the only um, leftover place. Well, there's probably a bunch of places in Harlem. It's uh, what is it from eighteen nine? It was built before eighteen hundreds in Manhattan. They don't have structures like that anymore. Everything before the eighteen hundreds is haunted. Everybody knows that. How is that news? <laughs> My place. Well, they said somebody died there. Of course, somebody died there. Somebody died everywhere. That's somebody died in my apartment. That's how I got the apartment. Somebody has died everywhere. I don't understand when they say it's haunted. Somebody died here. Well, of course, everybody died everywhere. Everywhere we walk, somebody died. Everywhere we walk, somebody's buried underneath us. You know, just if you're the mayor, I come. What are you doing? You know, if there's so much stuff to do. Somebody just threw a um, what? What do you call those uh, drinks? The like a power drink at him the other day, and they uh, locked stuff down. He goes, "Well, it was a power. At least they know I'm vegan, and I take these uh, healthy drinks uh, seriously." So he seems okay. I don't know. I feel like he's trying. Uh, what am I? What are we gonna do? At least the other mayor, the De Blasio, was the worst mayor. You know, maybe not. Maybe not in the history of Manhattan, but it's pretty close. You know, he's running for Congress. This guy just won't stop. He just wants to be in the spotlight, which of course made him a horrible mayor. You know, I keep thinking about this when they're trying to take when they're trying to deface. You know, one of the dead mayor's names while he's dead uh, because he didn't do enough about AIDS and he was gay. I mean, come on, man. Well, we're already talking about that enough. So anyway, that is our uh, show for today. It, 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 I'm going to tell you, it wasn't the best. It wasn't the greatest show ever. It wasn't the greatest show ever. Half my fault because I'm a little down, even though I'm feeling good today because it's bright and sunny outside and I'm having a good time talking to you. And I don't really have any plans today. So I do enjoy that, as you know, but I'm just nervous about the future. Nervous about the future. What, how old am I? What, I'm nervous about going to college, which is true. Isn't that hilarious? That's so funny. But yeah, I don't know. Not a not a quality Just Got in the City episode, maybe. But I think we hopefully still had a good time either way. And uh, obviously, it, scenes from an Italian restaurant part two. I'm Billy Joel A to Z. The, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the Comedy Nightly Show tonight. Please uh, watch. Uh, my friend Hatem is on it. He's going to be talking about his new show down at the Comedy Cellar uh, just for a couple of minutes. And then, yeah, Shades of Grey of Billy Joe. He can't even promote. Why am I even saying it? Uh, that song sucks. And uh, that's that's pretty much that's all I can tell you. I told you already. And here we are waving to Brandon and Eddie goodbye. Whoa. 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 <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's our show. I hope everybody has a great week. I, I see no reason why I wouldn't be back. Uh, next Tuesday, the as summer begins, the Tuesday after Memorial Day. I hope everybody has a lovely Memorial Day weekend. It just seems weird. I guess if I'm not working, what's the difference of Memorial Day, I suppose? But once I have a job, then I guess I would take off again. We'll see. Anyway, I hope everybody else who's working has a wonderful Memorial Day weekend and a great summer to come. And we'll see you next time on Just Out in the City. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.